It's Thursday at 11 a.m. And you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or The Griggs Beat. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome back into the Eagle's Nest. After a two-week hiatus, I, Daniel J. Locke, I don't know why I gave my middle name, never done that before, it's kind of weird, and back in the studio. Unfortunately, we will be without Griggs Blankenberg today. He woke up feeling under the weather, but next week's spring break, we will have a Zoom show. Uh, more details come on that later. Stay tuned to our Twitters at Daniel J. Locke, at the Griggs B. That's probably why I said my middle name, because I was thinking my Twitter handle. But very weird. Don't know why I did that still. Very, very loaded show today. We're going to kick things off by talking about the full swing on Netflix with our wonderful student media advisor, Billy Ferris. We're going to be talking about the NBA with Ethan Miller. We've got Zach Card coming on. Noah Phillips is going to make an appearance at some point to talk some motorsports. Loaded, loaded show. So let's get right into it. It is my pleasure to welcome on to the Eagles Nest for the second time our wonderful advisor here at Auburn University Student Media, Billy Ferris. Billy, how are you this morning? I'm good. I was going to give you a hard time about not giving me a middle name, but then you said I was wonderful, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know why I did that. <laughs> Anyways, the golf world and all of the sports media world has been buzzing as of late about the Full Swing docuseries on Netflix, 10 episodes, I believe, right, 10? Eight. Eight. Eight up, dang. I wish it was 10. I wish it was 10. Right. I wish it was 20. I wish it was 40. These are amazing. I wish it was 60. Right. <laughs> These, this show is so good. And one thing I said to you the first time we ever talked about it is no matter your level, whether you've never watched golf or even picked up a, putt, a putter before to go play putt-putt, or if you play every day, this is the show for you. It explains everything so well, and it really lets you dive into kind of the minds of these golfers going through the grind that is the PGA Tour. Yeah, they did a really great job of making this something that if you have never golfed, you'd still like it because that human element, even if you don't like golf, period, and don't intend to ever play, the human element of what the players go through and who they are was great. And they did it in a way that if you're not a golf fan, it makes sense to you. But then if you are an avid golf fan like you and I, it's not talking down to us. Right. Like they, they straddle that line so well. It's such an impressive job. Yeah, because um, a friend of mine named Will, he goes to the University of Alabama, a uh, big part of their student media department. He's never really – his golf knowledge comes from me because, like, you know, we grew up together. Um, he, I, I, I played growing up, so I'd always talk to him about what I had going on. And we watched the Masters together in 2019. He was like, this is cool, but just I don't see what the appeal is. I'm like, dude, this is the greatest Masters of all time. Wake up. <laughs> but even he's enjoyed this show. Yeah. Um, like my dad loves it. Like I got my love from golf from my dad. He loves it. Huge fan. And it's just amazing that Netflix did something like this because they did something similar starting a few years ago called drive to survive for formula one and formula one's popularity, particularly here in the United States went through the roof. And I feel like the same thing can happen with the PGA tour. Oh, yeah. Did you, as you were watching it, did you, like, add to favorite, like, all the players they were featuring? Everyone except, I, I think you also said this, I didn't really get that human element with Morikawa, like I thought I would. No, Colin Morikawa, for those that don't know, is one of the best young players on the tour. He's rocketed up the world rankings. He's in the top ten, might be in the top five. Top five, yeah. And he just complained a lot in his episode. But it was like, my glove doesn't fit perfect right away. I take that back. He currently checks in at number 10. 
Number 10. Still. So he slipped a little. Yeah. Still good. Maybe he should stop complaining. Be a little maybe more positive. Maybe, so. maybe he'd jump back up the rankings. But yeah, other than him and Brooks Kepka, who I've just never been a huge fan of, Dustin Johnson was in there. The guys who went to Live, I didn't care for yeah. the Live Golf Tour. But uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, the Englishman, he still looks like he's eight years old. <laughs> he hits the ball 300 yards. And he, the thing that I thought was fascinating, and Daniel, I want to ask if you've ever done anything similar to this, because I know you played competitive golf for a while. Yeah. Fitzpatrick journaled every single shot he has ever hit in any tournament or range session. Yeah, I've definitely not done that. No. I can't remember the shot I hit two holes ago. Right. He has just notepads full of every single shot he has ever hit. Driving range course it goes to show the level of skill and dedication those guys have to have to play as well as they do right it's i came away with such an appreciation for you know you may know someone who's a good golfer but these guys are just on a level an elite performance that we just don't understand it's a different game that they're playing it really is and i really hope that you know netflix has realized that they've struck gold with this idea and continues to do one for, you know, Major League Baseball would be cool. NFL, NBA, NHL, all of it. Because I just, I love to see the intricacies. And as a sports journalist, I've, I've gotten more access than a decent amount of people have. So, but still, just, this takes it to that next level. And this was such a great year for them to do this documentary. Yes. Because if anyone's unfamiliar, Live Golf is a rival tour that started last year to try to take some of the PGA Tour's power away from them. Uh, it is funded by the Saudi government, and they are paying players hundreds of millions of dollars up front to quit the PGA and come play on Live Golf. And you have every player that has any kind of notoriety, whether they're up and coming or most of the guys who joined Live ended up being guys who were kind of on the downside of their career um, that wanted the guaranteed money to close. A Phil Mickelson, um, who's not going to win on the PGA Tour anymore, but got hundreds of millions of dollars to join live and we're hearing throughout this documentary the player's thought process of do i take this gigantic sum of money and guarantee that for myself or do i keep playing on the pga tour for legacy and also a ton of money yeah but and it was just fascinating to watch this rival tour come up and just kind of linger in the background of the whole documentary until they do a full episode about it and looking at what each player went through from a decision-making process of do I make that jump or not and how the PGA Tour handled it just added this extra layer to the documentary of drama that I don't think would have been there any other year. No, definitely not. And um, they, like you said, really capitalized on the time because this probably was one of the most controversial years in golf ever just because of that. So to really see the in-depth kind of angle from – like you said, watching it come up, really, I really enjoyed it a lot. And, and the, the way these guys were vilified, too, for joining Live, yeah. and, and everyone's going to have a different opinion on this, but you know, for an example, Phil Mickelson, I was surprised this didn't make it into the documentary. Phil Mickelson said when he joined the Live Golf Tour, yeah, I know that government had a journalist killed, and that was terrible, but someone needs to teach the PGA Tour a lesson about greed. Yeah. And, I mean, he lost all of his sponsorships. He was with Callaway Clubs for his entire career. They dropped him. I think KPMG, his biggest sponsor, dropped him. You don't see him on commercials anymore. He was on so many commercials during golf tournaments. I'm surprised that statement didn't get put in there. 
there was that one line they showed Rory saying that we can't say on the radio about yeah. Phil because of that. Can't say it on the radio. Use your imaginations at home. But watching the way those live guys got vilified by the players who stayed and Rory McIlroy in particular, that last episode that was all about Rory McIlroy and the way he kind of took on that leadership of, I am going to go to bat for the PGA tour. I'm one of the premier players in the world and I am going to put my foot down and say the PGA tour is where the best players need to be was just fascinating to watch. Yeah. Um, it really, really was. And for those of you who don't know, Rory McIlroy over the past 15 years has basically been, this This probably isn't a perfect comparison, but he, he's the LeBron James of golf, I would say is a fair point. Like, he doesn't win the, he, he doesn't win every year, but just that presence and. His best is better than everybody else's best at this point. Yes. I think. I agree. And that's where in golf, no one's going to have their best every week most guys are going to have their best maybe once or twice a year yeah but if he has his best he's going to win where if everyone else is at their best they might win Mm -hmm. is how i see rory mcelroy yeah i agree um still definitely has an argument to be the best in the world all these years later and one thing that in the episode that of um full swing that was on him that i kind of want to point out here is he was saying like yeah i've won majors but they're so long ago at this point it feels like i haven't won them and that's the thing with golf. Like, I'm a huge Jordan Spieth fan. Me too. 2015 was the best, one of the best years a golfer's had yep. for Jordan Spieth. But, you know, since then, he's won a couple tournaments. Uh, most recently, the RBC Heritage last year in 2021, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But it's just, in the first episode, focused on him and Justin Thomas, who are both, you know, very, very well known on the tour. Justin Thomas went to college just about three hours up the road. Some school, yeah. Yeah, I don't know which. Um, UAT, I think it's called. Yep. <laughs> um, so I just, I really love, and I know I already said this, but I'm just going to keep harping on it. Just It shows the mental process that is being not only on the PGA Tour, but being competitive on the PGA Tour. What I found interesting is there was a full episode about Jordan Spieth, yeah. but the Brooks Kepka episode I thought might have been a more important insight into Jordan Spieth. Mm-hmm. because Spieth, like you said, in 2015, he either won or almost won every tournament he played, which we just don't – you didn't even see that necessarily in Tiger Woods' prime every right. time. It, it was the best I've ever seen for a full year of a player just being locked in, and he just has not found that again. And the reason I bring up the Brooks Kepka episode is you, they followed Kepka, and again, I'm not a fan of Kepka, but I felt for him. Mm-hmm. because they were following him through a time when he was struggling to play well. He wasn't making cuts. And if you don't make the cut on a PGA Tour, which Full Swing explains what a cut is in, I think, literally every episode, which yeah. became a bit of a joke. But if you don't make the cut, you don't play on the weekend, and you don't get a paycheck. So you just don't get paid for that tournament. Kepka, who doesn't need the money, but you want to earn the money if you're playing, had not been making cuts. He was playing terribly. And you're seeing the toll this was taking on his overall mental health, not just on the golf course, but in his life. Yeah. And you have to wonder how much of that was is what Jordan Spieth has been dealing with since 2016, mm-hmm. with the pressure he's putting on himself, and just the mental health aspect of these players, knowing that unlike any other sport, the money is not guaranteed. Right. If they don't make cuts, they make zero dollars. Yeah. And I don't think that's... That's something that even I kind of failed to grasp at times. It's just how big those two early rounds are because everyone tunes in on the weekend. 
But, man, those those first two days are crucial. And you start thinking about some of the rookies they featured on yeah. Full Swing. Because Jordan Spieth, Brooks Kepka, they don't make a cut. They get on their private jet and they fly home. They're fine yeah. financially. But the rookies who have just got their tour card, I've heard stories in past years of rookies deciding they're not going to go play the British Open because even if they make the cut but don't win, they're going to lose money on it mm-hmm. because of how much it costs to get over there. Yeah. So when you have some of these guys who are struggling to keep their tour card, if they don't make the cut, they're not making anything. Right. And they're not living that rich, famous athlete lifestyle yet. They're mm-hmm. in their parents' house still, and they're barely paying bills yeah. to play golf. And just the pressure that they must feel Thursday and Friday – and that's the kind of thing Full Swing illuminated so well that I watch – I don't watch a ton of golf, but I watch the big tournaments mm-hmm. and I keep up with what's happening in golf. I had no concept of of that part of the game until yeah. I watched Full Swing. Same here. Um, it's definitely something that just kind of goes unnoticed, I guess you could say. Because you think, oh, they're a professional athlete. They win, they lose. They're still making more than me in a weekend. Than, they make more in a weekend than I'm ever going to see. Mm-hmm. Not always the case with some of these guys. Yeah. Some of these guys are paycheck to paycheck, barely making ends meet, having to play well on a Thursday and Friday to stay ahead of the debt. Yeah. And that is a whole level of stress that I did not know was a part of professional golf. Yeah, because if you look at like the MLB or pretty much any other professional sports league, like the guy sitting on the bench or the relief pitcher who gets a one inning a week on average is still making 250k a year. So he's still doing pretty well financially for himself. These golfers, like you just said, they're fast food employees making more than some of these low, low, low level guys on the PGA Tour. Did watching Full Swing make you play more golf lately too? Because it made me play a little bit more. Yeah, I've gone. I've definitely gone out to the range, an increased amount, and definitely been working on my putting because that's my biggest weakness. So, I wish I had a biggest weakness like you. You're significantly <laughs> better at golf than me. We've talked about this. Maybe so, yeah. But maybe so. Not even close. He's being super modest for all those listening. He is a very good golfer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I don't want my dad to get on me. Um, dad's <laughs> way think, better. I think he's a very good golfer. I'm gonna, I appreciate his hunger to always get better, though, That if we're worried about this. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like having I just like that you better. can identify, like, that's my weakness. I'm like, my weakness is uh, whatever shot I'm standing over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is about all the time we have for this amazing documentary that I can't call you to action. But if you feel so inclined, I would definitely recommend you check it out. Full Swing on Netflix. So worth the subscription if you're one of the ten people in the world who doesn't have Netflix. But... That is all the time we have for that. Thank you, Billy, for coming on. I know you're a very, very busy guy, so we appreciate you taking some time to talk with us. Always have time for a Patriots fan. Oh, yes. And that is all the time we have for that. But when we come back, Zach Carr just walked in. Zach's a fun guy to talk some sports with, so stay tuned for that. We'll be back in two minutes. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Once again, we are unfortunately without Greg Splankenberg today. He woke up feeling a little bit under the weather, but we will have a Zoom show together next week. Stay tuned to our Twitters for details at the B at Daniel J. Locke. In the first segment of the show, we had our wonderful student media advisor, Billy Ferris, on to talk about the full swing Netflix documentary, which I would strongly recommend if you feel so inclined to check out, as it is wonderful. But now we are joined by the next station manager of Eagle Eye TV, my great friend, fellow Celtics fan, Zach Card. Zach, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? 
doing good, doing good. And these next 12 minutes or so won't be a lot of fun. (laughs) As last night, the Auburn Tigers traveled up to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to take on the number two Alabama Crimson Tide in Coleman Coliseum. Alabama had four losses on the year going into the game. They still only have four losses on the year after the game, even though Auburn at one point in the second half, I think, held a 17-point lead. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, watching that crumble away was painful. I was at the game covering it on behalf of the Opelika Observer, which, if you did not know, I'm interning with this semester. Uh, my good friend and roommate, Ethan Miller, was covering the game on behalf of Weagle 91.1 FM. Um, he wrote a real good story about it. Once again, if you feel so inclined, I'd strongly encourage you to check it out. But now to kind of... <laughs> I saw where they put him for media seating. Oh, yeah, seating, it was terrible. Like down in the bottom corner where he could barely even see the court. Oh, yes. If you don't follow Ethan Miller on Twitter, which I would strong once again, would strongly recommend, you should go look at it and look at his view. He is staring right into a wall. I felt so bad. It's hilarious. I mean, I guess if he, like, cranes his neck to the left, he could see the court, but that's such an awful view. Yeah, he said, well, I think he watched most of the game just on the video board, which Ugh. I would have done too. But I hate that because at that point I can just watch on TV. Yeah, and you might get more out of watching it on TV than just watching yeah. it on the video. You get commentators, you get mm-hmm. stats show up, and, you know. Because what thing. I normally do when I'm covering ga- covering game, I didn't do this last night because I forgot my AirPods here in Auburn, but I normally listen to the um, Andy Burcham and – Sunny, mm-hmm. It wasn't Sonny last night. He had not go on the road. I can't remember who the color guy was, but I normally listen to them while covering the game. I yeah. didn't last night, and I definitely missed it because um, they're just, instead of having to look for things, they say things that I can report. Oh, that's really smart. Yeah. I've never even thought about that. It's really, really convenient, too, yeah. especially in baseball. It's when I've noticed it's the most beneficial. Okay. I'll um, keep that locked away for the next time I cover I something. Get it though, locked so. away as Daniel Lock. Ah, that was so bad. <laughs> All right. Enough of me trying to be funny. Enough time to get into this game at halftime Auburn had outscored Alabama 40 to 33 Auburn was lighting it up from the perimeter they it were was crazy eight of ten from three at one point which we have not seen from this team all year and then it just slowly but surely started to crumble away um man it's this is this is hard to look back on yeah the main thing I see with this is it's just like regression to the mean like, we shot so far above our average in the first half. We were shooting 75% from three in the first half alone. And then that's not sustainable, especially with us when we're shooting bottom, I think, what? Are we still bottom 10 college basketball teams in the country at three-point percentage? I'm not sure. We when... were at some point in January. Yeah, we were. Um, And so when you're coming out shooting 75% from three, it's unrealistic and – I, I knew. I don't know how everyone else felt. I knew that that was not going to last. No. No. Like, it had to last for us to win, in mm-hmm. my opinion. If this was 2019, that's one thing, when that, yeah. everyone on that team had a three ball. But on this team, like, Alan Flanagan went three of five from beyond the arc. Katie Johnson, yeah. four or five from beyond the arc. He had 21 points. Definitely a coming out game for him. Um, Brandon Miller had 17 Katie Johnson outscoring Brandon Miller was definitely not on the list of things that I was expecting to see last night. Every time I cover a game, I don't really do this when I go as a fan, but I write out a list of like 10 or 15 things that I think might or could happen, mm-hmm. and I just want to see like how many I hit on the head. I definitely didn't have that on there. No. I had Brandon Miller 30 or more. Wow. Um, 
yeah, so that just, I was wrong on that. And I definitely was not expecting that at all. But another thing I kind of want to talk about is Leor Berman getting big minutes kind of points to a lot of the problems that this team has as far as just the roster goes. Before I say how I feel about Leor getting yeah. minutes, how do you feel? I mean, I don't – he plays hard, and there are definitely assets of the game he's very good at, and he's definitely a very good guy. But, man, it's just – you have a five-star and a four-star recruit sitting on the bench. Two four-star – one five-star and two four-stars sitting mm-hmm. on the bench. Um, so it's just kind of like, he's great, but why aren't they even trying to get Johan in there? Yeah, exactly. That was my, that's kind of where I was going to take it is Lior's cool. I love Lior. He can shoot the ball. He'll play his heart out on defense. Even if he's not the best defender we have, he'll give his all a hundred percent effort all the time. He can take a charge too. Yeah. 110% effort all the time. But you can give 110% effort and still not be as good as another guy on the team. Yeah. And that's just how I think he is. Like, is He's a walk-on, right? He's not yeah. scholarship? Great player. Nothing against him. He, he shot 100% from three last game. He did what he had to do. He played some defense. But at the end of the day, you have Jan Traore on the bench. You have Trey Donaldson on the bench for more minutes. Trey has been getting more minutes recently, but... You know, earlier in the season, he wasn't getting a ton of minutes. We have f- the five-star Yohan on the bench yep. and a couple four-stars, like you said. It's just I feel like we should be playing the better. I, but maybe they're not better. Maybe in practice we're we're not seeing the full picture. Yeah, maybe not. Um, maybe not. And that just kind of goes to the point of, I mean, Bruce Pearl's recruiting. Pretty well, obviously. Uh, another five-star guard inked for next year in Aiden Holloway. Mm-hmm. Then he's set him, he's put the Auburn program in a good position of top ten class in 2024. But and right now, you've got to wonder, what is your ceiling for this team? we got to get hot. Yeah. We've got to get really scorching hot like do you think if we fall to Tennessee on Saturday and don't really do anything of note in in the SEC tournament that we're done or going to the NIT I think if we will probably go to the NIT I think if we blow it in the SEC tournament like round one loss I think we, we, we won't make the tournament I think we have to win we had to win against Bama or we have to win against Tennessee Mm -hmm. I think 20, 20 wins isn't a number like everyone uses, but I think 20 wins, you're pretty safe, especially yeah. when you have the resume that Auburn has. You have the two quad win, uh, quad one wins against Northwestern and Arkansas, and I think eight of your 10 losses or now nine of your 11 losses are quad one or quad two. So And, like, those two Alabama losses look good. Yeah. Um, that West Virginia loss looks good. Right. Because uh, they're starting to play pretty well. So they're not – U.S. This USC loss is looking okay. They're, they haven't had a bad year, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I have no idea about them. I don't pay attention to the pack, honestly. I don't really either. Um, I, I know they're not competing with UCLA. Right, or, yeah. Arizona, I, don't I, I think. But I don't know. I'm very out of touch with what's going on in the pack, like like you just said. But just kind of, do you think a loss, or excuse me, do you think a win over Tennessee locks men? I wouldn't say lock. I'd say a win over Tennessee does a great deal. Mm-hmm. and putting us over the edge. I think if we play the most mediocre game ever in the SEC tournament and we beat Tennessee, we're in. But, like, we have to at least play decent in the SEC tournament. Yeah. 
But like, I think we have a good shot of getting in, regardless. I and I could I could see things going pretty well in Nashville. Like mm-hmm. I don't we I don't think we'll have to play Wednesday. Probably um, not. So starting Thursday, um, I think as of now, unless last night's changed the seating already, we would be play. We'd start Thursday at six p.m. Um, so I could see us winning Thursday and winning Friday. However, I don't think we get the Sunday. Probably not, in my opinion. But if we did, I feel like that would definitely lock Auburn in. Oh yeah, if we make it to the, uh, I think if we make it to the semifinals of the SEC tournament, we should mm-hmm. be in. Yeah. Um. Regardless of what happens with Tennessee. Yeah, if you make go on a run like that in your conference tournament, especially SEC, and if we knock off a big team like uh, like Missouri or Arkansas, like one of those to get to the semifinal, mm-hmm. then I think we're in a pretty good spot. I also think like. I know Kentucky 32 piece Auburn um, last Saturday up and up, but I think a rematch on a neutral floor could go pretty well. Yeah, that could go either way. I was going to bring them up too. And I think the next time we play them, if we play them in the SEC tournament, that 30 piece is going to be on our mind. And yeah. we better play with some fire if we go against them. Yeah, and the same thing, if we have another shot against Alabama, which once again is very possible, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like our chances. I really do. Yeah. Because you've seen them twice. You know everything they've got in the bag. Probably should have not used that reference. <laughs> anyway, not going to get into that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I definitely think that a third meeting on a neutral floor could be very beneficial for the Tigers. And I'm not saying that they win that, but oh, I would. I was going to say that they'd be close, but I don't think you can get much closer than you were last night. No, overtime, chance to win it at the end. Like, if Wendell hits that shot, we win. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I can't be mad at that. No. Once it went to overtime, I had a feeling we were going to lose just because when you go in a battle against that star power of Alabama, it's hard, especially when they've been uh, – I can't think of the word. Like, just moving on you. Mm-hmm. Like, they've just been hitting. Especially, like, you lose Janai Broom uh, he, when he – I'm not going to call it a fight, but when the – Bench cleared. Yes. Not even benches. The bench cleared. Yeah. The Alabama. And then he got called for a foul on that. That Which was from the – yeah, I don't understand that. Him trying to grab a rebound was a foul. The officiating was – I'm not normally one to blame the refs. I try to avoid that just because I find it a little corny when people always do that when their team yeah. loses. But last night there were definitely some questionable calls. I feel like all year there's been just bad officiating for both teams. I think yeah. that officiating has just been bad this year. I agree. And it it doesn't surprise me when something like that happens. I did not expect them to, to eject those two Bama players. I probably was the right move. When you run from your bench with the intent of getting in a fight or maybe not getting in a fight but standing up for your teammates or whatever, like mm-hmm. if you go to half court from your bench, I think there should be some action. Yeah. Um. So I like that they ejected them. I think they did a good job on that. But a lot of the other stuff, don't agree with a lot of the other ticky-tack foul calls. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, if you look at it, uh, let's see what we have here. 20 personal fouls called total on Alabama, 29 on Auburn. Um, Alabama went to the line 31 times, Auburn 24. So there definitely is a little edge towards Alabama, but not enough to where I really think that made a factor, especially since Alabama only shot 77% from the line and Auburn shot 62. Yeah, we got to hit more of those. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, if Auburn hits five more of those, goes 20-24 to 24 from the line, boom, you're tied at 90. 
Yeah, or if they come before overtime, you win right. in regulation. Right. So getting to the line and finding a way to keep up that hot hand from three, if at all possible, yeah, is really needs to be the focus as Auburn prepares to take on Tennessee on Saturday. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Greg Blankenberg woke up feeling a little under the weather this morning, so he is not here, unfortunately. But we opened up the show talking about Full Swing on Netflix with our wonderful student media advisor, Billy Ferris. Then the last 15 minutes, Zach Card and I broke down Auburn's game against Alabama, as well as just some tournament kind of stuff. And then now we're going to preview the Auburn-Tennessee game on Saturday. Auburn's final regular season and home game of the year, unless they make the NIT, then they'll have a few more probably. And then in addition to that, we are going to look into kind of what what else is going on in college basketball this week. So first things first, here in Neville Arena at 1 p.m., the number 12 Tennessee Volunteers, 22-8 and eight on the year, 11-6 and six in conference play, will take on the Auburn Tigers, who are 19-11 on the year, 9-8 and eight in conference play. I would like to see this team win, or this Auburn win, just because I don't want them to have a losing record in conference play, or uh, even record. It'd be nice to see a solid winning record in conference play, but Tennessee will be without somebody, right? Ziegler, maybe? Yeah, Zakai Ziegler is out. Okay. Who is a big piece for them, starting, I think, leads them in assists or a second yeah, behind. Assists. Um, whatever, uh, I can't remember his name. Vescovy? Yep. Um... But, yeah, no, that's a big loss for them. And I think that loss opens up the door for us big time. Yeah, I do too. Um, being without him, a good, solid two-way guard. I can do it all. They won't have that. So let's see if Wendell Green and KD can, and Zepp can kind of bounce on that. Yeah, I think they, they'll be able to. Uh, it'll It'll definitely make defending – Tennessee a little bit easier because Zakai Ziegler is uh, he's one of the guys that you can depend on if you're Tennessee to go create their own shot or create a shot for one of their teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, so the absence of him will be will be good for us and our defense and won't put such a strain on us. Right. Um, ESPN's analytics are giving Tennessee a 72.9 percent chance to win. They're giving Auburn a 27.1 percent chance to win. It's just kind of foreign to me still to see Auburn be an underdog at Neville Arena. That big of an underdog, too. Like, it's not like 60-40. Right. It's uh, 75-25. Yeah, and it just definitely doesn't feel right. But, I mean, Auburn's lost eight of their last 11. Yeah, we don't look great. I mean, we look decent after the last game, but we've said that multiple times where we've had a good game and then Mm -hmm. blown it in the next one and then had a good game and then awful in the next one. Yeah, and I feel like that just really kind of goes to show that this team is really just kind of mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to put it plainly. Yeah, I think so. Um, There's some things that they're good at. There's some things that they struggle with, and those things are dynamic. Because, you know, all year they've been struggling from three. Last night they went crazy from three. Early in the year, defense was a big strength of the team. Then, you know, you do terrible in Kentucky defensively Mm -hmm. um and last night wasn't great defensively and you really haven't had a solid defensive game since i mean vanderbilt was pretty good anytime you hold a team under 70 in conference play like that's kind of a win Mm -hmm. um but yeah i just don't really there are definitely some avenues for auburn to win this game um janai broom and the wendell takeover game that that's normally a pretty good recipe for 
an Auburn win. Yeah. Um, once again, home crowd, senior day, should be a pretty good uh, environment. I'm glad they moved the time to game up because more students would go. I feel like if they had left it at 3 o'clock, I feel like that many more students would have left before. Especially you think so? I think so because the dorms, I think, close at 9. So all the kids who live on campus would kind of have to, there'd be mm. more of a lull time. I didn't think about that. I was just thinking they wouldn't have to wake up as early for a, a one o'clock game to get in line. I was like, oh, they they'll they'll get to sleep in. I'll go more if it's at three o'clock and the line starts at whatever time it would start at instead. Mm-hmm. What time does the line start at? I think let's see, two hours for tip is eleven. Probably about ten, nine thirty, ten. Okay. Yeah, that's so, not so bad. Yeah, that's not awful, but a 9.30-10 line start compared to a 10.30-11 or 11.30 line, that's a big difference to me anyways. Yeah, it is for me as well because that's the shift from breakfast to lunch right there. Exactly. So that that makes a world of difference. Um, but yeah, I, I hope it's a good environment. One We can close it out on a strong one because with certain NIT regulations, like I've heard some things like the schools that – host since it's supposed to be neutral don't even get like their like student ticketing or whatever isn't really a thing for that for nit i think that's a thing i could be wrong huh well i don't know this will be my first like real experience with the nit same <laughs> i hate um, to say it but yeah i just hopefully this conversation is pointless yeah um a week from sunday we're like <laughs> we were talking about the nit lol yeah i don't even know how it works they play in new york right for the last of them i think because so. they have the apple in the logo Right, right. I think I it is know. in New York. Um, but, yeah, I know schools host it first. Interesting. I didn't even know that. Yeah. It, it's just – and I, it's only 32 teams. It's not yeah. 64. Um, which, if you had 64 teams in the second-tier tournament, I imagine some of those teams in would be really, really bad. Yeah, that would not be a great uh, <laughs> great basketball. That wouldn't sell TV uh, slots very well. But, yeah, so we both pretty much agree that Auburn needs this to – Pretty much make yourself safe for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, win this, just win one game in Nashville, and I think that's all you need to not even have to sweat it on Selection Sunday. Yeah, I was looking at it. The team right now, uh, if if the season ended today, Saturday doesn't happen, we play Florida. Ooh. Which, I don't know. We You know, they give us problems, but we've beaten them. We have a, a history of beating them, which is good. Yeah. But that's a tough one. Con Castleton is a dog. Mm-hmm. This is something I'm kind of surprised to see. Um, according to Kim Palm, who is one of the most trusted sources when it comes to ranking college basketball teams, they have Auburn at 29, which is honestly higher than I was expecting to see the Tigers. In that? Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, I get it. We When we, uh, I mean, barring the take the Kentucky game out of consideration, but when we lose, we don't lose huge. No. Five points in overtime against Bama. Let's not talk about Kentucky. Two points to Vanderbilt, eight points to Bama, five points to uh, Texas A&M, three points to Tennessee. Like, these are close losses. Mm-hmm. Three points to West Virginia. So, I don't think that our, our net rating looks that bad uh, from our losses. So, it doesn't super shock me. It doesn't surprise me a lot. But, I don't know. To get the respect that we're top 30 is is interesting given the last couple weeks. Yeah. Um. But should be good to go for the tournament, fingers crossed. Shouldn't be an issue, I don't think. I think it'll work itself out to where Auburn is, in fact, playing 
in the real tournament and not the NIT, but time will tell on that. Kind of moving on to the rest of college basketball this weekend. Um, let's see what we have here. There's got to be some big matchups, right? There are. Um, yeah. It starts Saturday at 11 a.m. on CBS. Number two, or number two, Alabama heads up to College Station to play number 24, Texas A&M. Ooh. Also at 11 a.m. on ESPN2, number seven, Baylor hosts Iowa State. Um, number 20, Providence hosts Seton Hall. I always love those Big East matchups, man. Yeah. They're so much fun. Uh, let's see. Number 13, Virginia hosts a Louisville team that has been struggling this year. Yeah, Louisville is not uh, great. Kentucky, Arkansas, that's cool. That should be a good one. I'm interested to see how the Razorbacks can do because this has been a year that as much hype as Auburn had this year, Arkansas had more. I agree. And I feel like they've not underperformed more than Auburn, but if you look at the expectations, like Arkansas should be a top 10 team. I would make the argument that they've underperformed more than we have. They started off at least supposed to be a lot better than us, and then they're mm. below us in the SEC standings. We have the same True. record. They were supposed to be, you know, much better than us. They have two home losses like we do. They have, uh, let's see, I lost them. Same amount of road losses, you know. And they had, I think, the number two recruiting class behind Duke. Yeah, they had a really good – it was at least top five, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, I would say they – what was the term we were using? Didn't live up to their expectations right. as much as we did. Yeah. Let's see. Other ranked matchups. Oh, here's a good one. The number three, Kansas Jayhawks going on the road to play number nine, Texas, at the Moody Center in Austin. That mm. should be a good one. That's on ESPN at 3 p.m. Yeah, what's Texas ranked? Uh, Texas is nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That what's his, Sir Jabari something is really good. Mm-hmm. What's his last name? I love that his name is Sir Jabari. Yeah, that's a good name. I can't remember his last name, though. Like you. Rice? Um, let's see. I can probably just click on it and it'll show me. Yes. That three versus nine, Kansas versus Texas is good. There's also Kansas State versus West Virginia. Kansas State's 11. West Virginia is, as we know, pretty good. Yeah. Ooh, number 25, Pittsburgh at number 16, Miami. That would yeah. be big for the ACC. Yeah, that's a good one. Dang, that's kind of it. I mean, number 14, UConn at number f- or at unranked Villanova. That normally would be – if Villanova is having a normal year, that would be a good game. Yeah. But they're down this year, so not really that exciting. Mississippi State at Vanderbilt. This is one I'm just kind of, like, interested to see what happens – because those are two teams who are haven't really been at the top of the SEC the past couple of years, but definitely aren't bad either. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mississippi State can like they used to be the biggest thorn in Alabama's side every single year in basketball, mm-hmm. and you know Vanderbilt just you know we've played them. Yeah, we know what they bring to the table. Yeah, Jerry Stackhouse does a great job with what he has. Mm-hmm. And he can coach that team really, really well. Yeah, and I think his N- uh, NBA, I almost said NFL experience, his NBA experience is, and I think Bruce said in one of his press conferences, allow, it allows him to create these sets and these plays that work so well at the college game that, because they worked in the NBA, that you know that they work at this high level. And his ability to translate it over to college is, is pretty big for Vanderbilt. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I think Vanderbilt next year will – really take a next step forward. 
Mm-hmm. There's also eight Arizona versus four UCLA. That would be a good one. 9 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. I'll watch this for sure. Yeah. Um, it'll kind of get me in touch with what's going on in the Pac-12. Right. So I'm excited for this one for sure. 18 San Diego State hosts Wyoming. And then that is all the ranked matchups I see. That Oh, wait. Number 19, Xavier hosts Butler. Uh, that's on FS1 at 6 p.m. Central. And, yeah, I don't see any other ranked matchups. Yeah, there's a bunch of the smaller conference tournaments wrapping up. Semifinals, finals, Mm -hmm. quarterfinals, which is cool. I love watching those. Oh, yeah, they're so much fun. Especially once you get into the the semifinals, finals, and it really – it's their whole season to these teams. Like, us, we can get in without winning SEC, but Drexel without winning the CAA is not getting in, you know? Yeah. I'm just see how uh, Sanford does in the SOCON tournament. Yeah. School up in Birmingham. That's one I'd love to see them get in, and I'd love to see UAB get in because I just feel like that'd be really cool. Yeah. All these Alabama teams in the tournament. Jackson State was in there. Not Jackson. Jacksonville State. Yeah. Excuse me. Jacksonville State was in there last year, which was fun. So, yeah, we had, what, four? Four last Alabama year. teams. Yep. That was cool. Cool to break that record this year. Yeah. Well, I don't was... know if that's a record, but have more this year. Yeah. And that is all the time we have for college basketball today. When we get back – I will have Ethan Miller in here, and we will be talking about our Boston Celtics. You're listening to the Weagle 91, uh, excuse me, the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke, and we'll be right back. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM for the last segment of the first hour of today's show. We started out hot with Billy Ferris talking about Full Swing on Netflix. Really, really good documentary about everything going on on the PGA Tour. I would highly suggest you check it out if you feel so inclined. Then Zach Card and I have spent the last 30 minutes talking about not just Auburn basketball, but some SEC and all of NCAA as a whole. And now my good friend and roommate, Ethan Miller, joins us. Good morning, Ethan. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? Very, very well, given all the circumstances of the last 24 hours. Yeah, it hasn't hasn't been an ideal 24 hours, to say the least. If you're just uh, tuning in last night, Ethan and I made the trek up to, well, I watched basketball. Ethan watched a wall. Yeah, yeah, my my view right in front of me. I got to see a nice wall at Coleman Coliseum. Uh, Didn't even get to see half the court, fun Mm -hmm. fact, during the whole, throughout the whole game. That's brutal. Anyways, now we're switching, we're staying with basketball, but we're switching gears. We are going to the realm of the NBA. I... I'm a Boston Celtics fan. Zach is a Boston Celtics fan. Ethan, believe it or not, is a Boston (laughs) Celtics fan. So the Boston Celtics are having a very good year. They just lost possession of the one seed in the East for the first time this week, and they're only half game back to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks' winning percentage is .726. The Celtics' winning percentage is .714. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they've only played twice or once this year. It was on Christmas Day and Celtics won. I can't remember another meeting yet. Uh, I don't know. That's probably right, though. Um, maybe early in the season. Maybe so. But I've seen this floating around on Twitter the last couple days, so now that I have two Celtics fans in here, we're going to have a little discussion, not debate, since I don't know how the two gentlemen sitting to my left feel. Right. Yeah, they're my right over here. <laughs> feel. So... I've seen this going around from a Celtics account I follow called Celtics Live today, and it said, is this the best Celtics team of a 20-year-old's lifetime? 
Obviously, that's poorly worded and doesn't really make a lot of sense when you first read it. But what I interpret that to mean is if you're 20 years old, like me. Like me. Like Ethan will be in August. Still got a minute to go. Yeah. So basically all the same. We're we're, we're all 20. We can round up. So obviously the Celtics have 18 or 17 rings. 17. 17. Um, One of them has come within our lifetime. That was the 2018, led by the likes of Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and Rajon Rondo. Mm-hmm. But this team is good. There's no doubting that. However, I'll let you guys go first, but I'm just going to kind of start by saying I don't really think – this team still has a lot to prove before you can put a label on that like them, I think. Ethan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I would say that 08 team definitely is the edge right now. Uh Best reason is they got a ring. This team does not have a ring yet. So once this and if this team gets a ring, then that's when the discussions can start. Okay, which team is better? I still think it's going to be hard to beat, though, because, I mean, that 08 team, you had everything. You had KG down in the post. You had Paul Pierce. You had Ray Allen just launching up threes from everywhere and making them. Then you had the facilitator, Rajon Rondo. Like, that team is going to be hard to beat uh, any day of the week. So more of the story is once this team puts a banner up, puts banner 18 up, then we can have those conversations. But right now it's clear 08's better, that better than this team just based off what they've done. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you, star power alone, 08's better, the big three. You know, I think that's just clearly better. But I think Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown has the potential to get there. We might look at this team in a couple years and be like, wow, look at all these names on this roster. They're, they had Blake Griffin on this 2023 team. Like team, like guys in a couple years will be like, oh, really, him? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this roster's good. Don't get me wrong. But the 08 roster was great top to bottom, even the role player guys. Tony Allen could guard anyone in the league at that time. Kendrick Perkins. Big Perk was doing it in the in the middle. He was our starting center. He was good. Uh, Rondo was young, like you said. It was his second year in the league. Brian Scalabrini, Sam Cassell. Like, we had guys all over the place, even off the bench, that could bring good minutes. And that's something that the Celtics team has now, but you and need the ring. You need to prove it. Another thing that you really – this is the main contributing factor that makes me say definitely not. Today is March 2nd. This Boston Celtics team has 18 losses. Let's turn back the clock. The 2007-2008 Boston Celtics, no cheating. Can either of you tell me how many regular season games that team lost? Well, I just saw the record, sorry. So oh. you go. I have no clue. Throughout the whole season? 14? 16. That's close, yeah, 16. So this team's already lost more than that team did, and there's still a month and a half of the regular season to go. So that alone kind of squashes it for me. But now that we, we, we're all in agreement, right? Okay. What is there another Celtics team that comes to either of your mind in our lifetime? Because obviously they're great Celtics teams. Mm-hmm. But just the last 20 years, 2003 to 2023, is there another team in there that you think should be in this conversation? Would you guys like me to go while you're thinking about it? Yeah, you're going to say one of the Isaiah Thomas teams? Yeah, that's what I was going to go with. 2016-2017, uh, I thought it was really good. And they just couldn't get past LeBron. Yeah, that was a Game 7 Eastern Conference Finals loss. So they were a game away from going to the, to the Finals. But I still think this team has the edge. Like, Isaiah Thomas, one of my favorite Celtics ever. Saw him in his peak. You know, the Wizard series. 
all of it. The whole thing was fantastic. But I think that this team still has the edge over that team. I think if current Celtics team went against that 2016-2017 roster, they would have won in like six. I, I agree with that. I, th- I honestly think this team this year would handle – I mean, on that team, yeah, you had Thomas, but then you had Terry Rozier, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley. Those guys, like, okay, you match them against Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, you know – I mean, it's it's just no no match in my in my mind. Like, yeah, I mean, no, I, I agree. They're, they're definitely not in the same realm. The only, I think it goes that 08 team, okay, that that era right there, and then this this year's team, mm-hmm. and then even last year's team is better than a lot of Celtics teams in our lifetime. So, yeah. so how about 2009, 2010? Um, I was gonna ask about that one too. The Celtics appearance against the Lakers. What do y'all think about that one? I mean, the big thing for me here is that team lost 32 games. Yeah. So twice as many as they did the year before. Or two years before, because it was 07-08. Right, 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 right. I don't know. I Would you take the 16-17 Celtics or the uh, 0-9-10 Celtics? Um, let me get a few The Isaiah Thomas here. or the last big three finals. I know I would take 0-9-10. I think I would, too. Yeah. Now, what know. about last year's Celtics team that went to the finals against that 2010 Celtics team that went to the finals? That's inter- That gets real interesting yeah. because they, they both went, but they neither of them won it. Yeah. Um, I think at that point, you just kind of have to look at the opponent in the finals. Last year's team had the Warriors, who aren't what they were in the mid-2010s, but still, the Splash Brothers, Draymond, they were yeah. going crazy. Then look at what the 2009-2010 team was up against, Kobe, in the <laughs> yeah, finals. Kobe. Who I think, I mean, no offense to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, or Draymond Green, they aren't what they were when we were in middle school. Right. This so, isn't the Cavs series anymore. No, it, 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 we're not at that point anymore. I, I've got to go with the 0-9-10 um, team just because they had to play against Kobe Bryant in the finals. Yeah. I, I mean, I there's nothing wrong with it's that. Hard that's to argue that's that. a valid point. I, yeah. I feel like any which way you look at it, like what we're debating right now, or not even debating, just really, you know, talking about it's it's like there's really no clear wrong or clear right answer. It's just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I think you could argue both sides and I'd be like, Yeah, that was a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I see it. So going back to the original argument of this year's Celtics team overtaking the O seven, O eight team is so a ring obviously and is there anything else you guys would need to see I'll go while you're thinking about it I would need like a 9 or 10 game winning streak I would need them to show like yeah we've had some bumps along this road but we are still that team and in July they or in mid June early July whenever it kind of happens they raise up a banner in TD Garden number 18 and then they've also got that long winning streak on their resume, and then I don't I don't know I, I definitely need some like all team like first all NBA team selections stuff like that. Um, well, I think Jason Tatum's going to be a first team yeah. all NBA guy. Other than that, I don't know Jalen Brown maybe second or third team. We can say. I can I'll, see that. I'm I'm interested to see what uh, Robert Williams does the rest of the year because if he was healthy and he balls out like he has in the past and like he's starting to a little bit you know coming back and whatnot um I mean he'd be defense on on the all defense team not not gonna happen this year because he was yeah. out but I, 
more of the story is what I'm trying to get at is, okay, if he does perform very well, okay, if he was healthy the whole year, would he be on that team? That kind of rolls in. That's another guy to look out for. Yeah, no, I remember preseason, one of my buddies was talking um, on our NBA podcast, Flashcast, going to plug it real quick. Uh, we talked preseason. He was like, yeah, I think if Rob Williams comes comes back earlier than he than he did in real life, that he could have had a case for defensive player of the year. And I think he can still be on that second team if he turns it up these, this last month. And Marcus Smart should probably be in one of those two teams as well. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, this is a good Celtics team. And if they don't capitalize on what they got right now, it's going to be a disappointment this year. Yeah. I'm expect. Well, I don't know. I was going to say I'm expecting a first-round sweep. But the NBA is so good, the Bulls could take us for a game, or like someone could take us for a game. Yeah, I think if they were able to sweep last year's Nets team, I like their chance of getting a sweep this year. True. Yeah, that was a that was a big series. That was that True. that alone, saving those games in five, six, seven, not having to play that. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that helped the Celtics be able to survive back to back brutal series against um, Milwaukee and Miami. Um, Half of Milwaukee, you didn't have Rob Williams. And then getting him back really put them over the edge. But I think that is a good place to lead this discussion. And when we come back, I don't know, Ethan and I will figure that out during this commercial break, what we're going to talk about. But you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke, and we'll be right back. And welcome back to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. We've had a very, very fun show today as the first hour is now wrapped up. No Griggs Blankenberg, unfortunately. He woke up feeling a little under the weather. It's been a little while since Griggs and I have done the show together now due to some outstanding circumstances. But we are planning on doing a Zoom show next week, so stay tuned to our Twitters at Daniel J. Locke, at the Griggs B for updates on that. It's been a fun show regardless, as much as we've missed Griggs. We had our wonderful student media advisor, Billy Ferris, on for the first 15 minutes to talk about the Full Swing PGA documentary on Netflix, which is awesome, and I would highly recommend you check out. Then I had Zach Carden here. We talked about last night's unfortunate basketball loss to Alabama. Then we talked about kind of what's Auburn got to do to make the tournament, what's the SEC looking like at this current point, Kim Palm, all that sort of thing. Then for the last little bit, we have had a real good conversation between me, Zach, and my good friend Ethan Miller about our favorite NBA team, the Boston Celtics. So if you weren't a Celtics fan, that might have been a little boring for you. But if you do appreciate good quality basketball like the the fine gentleman in this room, then it was a great conversation to listen to. But now we're going to talk about something that's been a little new to me this year, but definitely a great addition to my sports fandom, the Premier League. Now, just some background on Ethan. Ethan played soccer for a good bit of his life. He's been a soccer fan for a lot longer than me. So if if there's an expert in the room, it'd be him as opposed to me. But I've taken it taken into it pretty good this year. I am a supporter of Crystal Palace, South London's finest. Ethan is a fan of Tottenham Hotspur, another team that plays in London. So it's kind of a rivalry, but I'm not in tuned enough to really, you know, be invested in a rivalry yet. So, Ethan, can you kind of tell me about what Tottenham's, like the FA Cup, you said was kind of disappointing. I'll start with that. Get it yeah, out over yeah. with. All right. So, we, uh, Tottenham, went out in the fifth round of the FA Cup, which is pretty early on for Premier League teams. So, how it works, the FA Cup is uh, any team in England, <clears throat> in the 10 divisions of England, can compete in it. And, uh, you know, whenever you're one of the top clubs, you want to make it past the fifth round. Uh, so, 
very disappointed to say the least, but uh, Tottenham's going to Tottenham. So uh, I think it's, I don't even know. I know my lifetime without a trophy. I think it's well before my lifetime too. So it's it's been rough, man. It's been rough. I mean, we're, we're fourth in the Premier League table, so that's, I mean, we're chilling there, but, uh, you know, a disappointing one one nothing loss to a team a division below you is never what you want. So, you know, you, you get what you get at the end of the day, I guess. Yeah, um, I haven't really followed the FA Cup until this year. Like, I've followed along a little bit. It's just fascinating to me how literally anyone can play in it, pretty much. Yeah, like, even, like, semi-pro teams can play. So, like, for example, if you're living in England, your dad could play for a semi-pro team, and you could be in the FA Cup. You, there was a – I can't remember exactly. There was a team last year that made a huge run. Or, no, it was this year. Sorry, Wrexham um, in, from non-league, and they – they made it to the fourth round of the FA Cup, and they went out, which Wrexham FC is uh, Ryan Reynolds' team over in England. Uh, so that was that was kind of cool and, and got a lot of eyes on them and what they're doing over there. Uh, but it, it's really like it can be anybody's game. Typically it's the, somebody in the Premier League that wins it just because, you know, if you have a, a Man City or an Arsenal or something going against a fourth or a fifth division like team, the writing's on the wall for that. So... I got you. So, kind of looking at this weekend, there's a good bit of um, action going on, just about everyone, I think. Uh, on Saturday, Manchester City and Newcastle United, 6.30 a.m. Central Time. We're not going to give our prediction for this one because it will be in our Pick'em segment later on, but that should be a pretty good game, I think. Yeah, yeah. That, that will, both teams are in the top five. Newcastle is Dropped off a little bit recently, but they also got a couple games in hand uh, over the teams around them. Uh, they're, I mean, nobody expected Newcastle to be this good. Eddie Howe, what he's done after getting fired from Bournemouth, who's uh, 19th in the Premier League now, uh, to what he's done with Newcastle is crazy. Plus, it helps when you have a big billion, possibly trillionaire, funding the club. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean they they've turned heads, and and they'll be this is gonna be a consistent thing. It's not just a one and done thing. It's gonna be they're they're gonna maintain this level for now on, which is the crazy thing. So it'll be interesting to see over the next like ten years or so where the Premier League goes, and you know who's in those top four spots because Newcastle's kind of shaking up the big six now. You could almost call them a big the the seven, uh, and re rename it a big seven. So. So moving on, Arsenal takes on AFC Bournemouth at 9 a.m. Arsenal is running away with it. Unfortunately. Yeah, so. Tottenham's rivals, the North London Derby. Uh, they are running away with it, but they Manchester City's only five points behind Arsenal right now, so it's they're well within striking distance still. Um, so I bet our, our good buddy Dawson's a big AFC Bournemouth fan this weekend. Oh, a huge AFC Bournemouth <laughs> fan. Huge Bournemouth fan. So, kind of moving on, this one is a good one for me. 9 a.m., my Crystal Palace Eagles um, take on Aston Villa on the road. When I was beginning to – when we started talking about soccer on the show, I didn't realize when you were looking at the fixtures that the team listed first is the home team and that the second team is the road team because, you know, everything else, it's the other way around. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a little different so when it, it comes to European soccer. That was a learning curve, but – I think Palace gets it done. I really do. 
They've been drawing a lot recently, so I think this is the game they're going to get over to Hump with a win. You feeling confident? I am. Three points this weekend. Three Let's points? Do you think Chris Richards gets in the starting lineup? Yeah, I do. The Birmingham boy, 205 native? 205 all day. Also at 9 a.m., Brighton and Hove Albion, my second favorite team, hosts West Ham United. I really hope they wear the mint kits. The mint kits, yeah. That'll be an interesting one. West Ham's kind of, you know, West Ham's West Ham this year. Not not great, but not bad. They're just kind of right there, you know? Yeah. And then Brighton, Brighton's interesting since Eddie Howe went to Chelsea, uh, their manager. So, I mean, they've been staying afloat. They've been doing good this year. I, I forget exactly where they are on the table. Uh, eighth in the table, which is re- really good for them. Um, oh, West Ham is actually a lot lower than I thought. They're 16. Never mind. West Ham is doing bad this year. <laughs> It happens. That, that's almost in the relegation window. Yeah, and you know what stadium they play in? Fun fact for you, they play in the uh, whenever the Olympics were in in England, mm-hmm. uh, Olympic Park, oh. like the the big stadium right there. They actually play there now. Huh, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, because Tottenham was in a battle to buy it, and thank goodness we didn't, because then we just built like our nice multi-billion yeah. dollar stadium that hosts NFL games, and that's getting an F one, uh, or not F one, a little um go-kart track like underneath it i saw that that's really cool they're doing hey one thing tottenham knows how to do is get money yeah so So moving on from that also at 9 a.m on saturday chelsea hosts leeds chelsea a team that you know came into this year with some decently high aspirations and just haven't lived up to them they've been around the middle of the pack but leeds it's a team that you know should be a winnable game i think it's it's very interesting because these these two sides, Leeds are seventeenth right now, and they're in the relegation battle. No no doubt about that. And Leeds is also interesting because they had Jesse Marsh, American manager. Everybody was calling it USA because they had Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson, two USA national team players, and then they just signed Weston McKinney, uh, last transfer window, in the January window. But two days after they signed Weston McKinney, Marsh got sacked. He got fired. So it's kind of like, okay, what's going on here now? Uh, so they got a new manager, so they're they're just trying to find themselves, trying to get out of that relegation zone. Whereas Chelsea spent more than all the teams in the other leagues combined, or something ridiculous like that. Um, just signed the biggest, I mean, made the biggest transfer in Premier League history, I believe. I mean, spending so much money, and they're tenth. So disappointment is an understatement. They they just got taken over this past year. Um, from longtime owner Abramovich, uh, now it's was it Todd Bowley? He's a like a big American billionaire investor. And he's just throwing money left and right. Um, and Graham Potter, who came from Brighton and Hove Albion, we'll see. He hasn't done good at all, really. I they haven't. They've scored like four goals in England all of this year, I believe, which is absurdly bad. Um, so you could almost consider them in a worse situation than Leeds for what they've put in and what they're getting out. So. Yeah, definitely so. So kind of moving on through the rest. At 9 a.m., I'll let you kind of talk about this one, but the Wolverhampton Wanderers, also known as the Wolves, host your Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, it should be a win for for Tottenham. Wolves are down in 15th. Um, I mean, Wolves are kind of – they're just one of those teams this year. Ever since they came up, they were – they were in the top half, you know. They they made a couple good pushes a couple years, but now they're just kind of there. They're one of those mid-table to lower-table teams. So if Tottenham comes and plays their game, Harry Kane should bag a goal. Uh, and there should be no issue. should be one, you know. I mean, who knows how many goals. 
I'd say no more than three. It's going to be not a not a scoring frenzy, but hopefully Tottenham, and they should take care of business. Yeah. So moving on Sunday now at 8 a.m., Nottingham, Nottingham Forest um, hosts Everton, a team that's struggling this year, definitely in a relegation window. Do you think Everton kind of finds some footing here? I think Nottingham takes it there. You know, mid-table, like one of those mid-table teams, again, they, they pumped in like 100 mil in the, in the offseason of just bringing in players. They just got uh, Taylor Navas, who's a – he was uh, the goalie for when Real Madrid won three Champions Leagues and, like, played with the Ronaldo, all that stuff. Really, really good goalie. Um, they just brought him in. And Everton is just bad. Everton, like, is awful this year. So – I honestly think Everton doesn't get any points out of this. You know, I think Nottingham just handles them easily. Yep, and just they're the one of three teams that's never been relegated, right? I believe so. I believe so, yes. I know they've never been relegated. I just don't know how many teams have not been relegated off the top of my head ever. Gotcha. But, yeah, it'd be – let's just say nobody would be happy in uh, Everton besides – or Everton's in – Liverpool. So nobody would be excited besides Liverpool fans since they're rivals. Um, Are they the ones that you can see their stadiums from? Yeah, you can okay. you can see and you can hear them. Gotcha. Like whenever a game's going, it's crazy. They're so close together. It's it's unlike anything we've ever experienced in, right. in the United States. But yeah, it's it's huh. something. That that's really really weird. It is. It's like wait a minute. You know, I'm in my kitchen making breakfast. I can hear I can hear people from. You know, I think it's like just over a mile away, maybe mm-hmm. a mile to two miles, really close. Because if you like, one thing that you can kind of compare it to a little bit is like in the MLB, the Yankees and Mets, but they're both in New York City. But you know, the Mets are up in Queens and the Yankees are over in the Bronx, so they're nowhere close to each other. See, and the, the big thing about that too nowadays, there's a lot of stadiums that are in cities and whatnot, mm-hmm. whereas like these, there's no big big buildings or anything. It's literally two-story houses. They're right in neighborhoods. Because, you know, obviously England's so small, you just have to find places for stuff. And more often than not, they just slap them in neighborhoods, hmm. especially if they're super old, too, like super old site. Um, so sort of like a Wrigley Field kind of deal? Kind of, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's a, a lot. Now, there are there are some that are in the city in London and obviously like that. But, uh, you know, there's their, the fair share. I mean, you have so many stadiums. You have, I mean... In the top four divisions, you have uh, sixty plus stadiums, so got that's a lot of stadiums. You got to right. find somewhere to put them. Exactly. So just kind of to run through these last two games: Liverpool hosting Man U Sunday at ten thirty Central. I'm going Liverpool. Yeah, I'm gonna go Liverpool for the sole purpose that uh, Griggs is a Man U fan. <laughs> uh, no, nothing else. Just going for Liverpool. So hopefully, Man U lose. And then on Monday, Brentford hosts Fulham at 2 p.m. Central. I'm going to go with Fulham. I don't really know why. You know who the Fulham owner is? Who? He's the guy who owns the Jaguars and AEW. Really? fact for you. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll, uh, honestly, it it could go either way with that one, I feel. But, you know, it'll be a good game. Any, Any Premier League game is always a good game, pretty much. Yeah. So, you can never complain. No. And that is all the time we have for Premier League. When we come back, we have not quite figured it out yet, but I'm sure whatever it is, it'll be wonderful. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Keep it here. 
Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke, joined alongside my good friend and roommate Ethan Miller today. No Griggs, unfortunately, he woke up not feeling well. So, prayers up for him. Hopefully, he is good to go later this week. Um, because I don't want him to be sick over spring break. So, now we are going to move in for a few minutes. We're going to talk about the NHL as Ethan and I are both very big Boston Bruins fans, and the Bruins are absolutely tearing it up this year. I think that might be a little bit of an understatement even, as this Bruins team is solid. Yeah, this is, I mean, in our lifetime, the best team we've probably seen, like, statistics-wise and whatnot, and it's just like... The, absolutely. It's the it's the perfect mesh of, you know, your goalies, your back line, your front line. One through four, you're good. One through mm-hmm. four, your offense, your defense, every well, obviously defense. You don't have four lines, but uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah but especially Omar. Omar has been he's on been lighting fire. it up. Definitely a Vesna contender. Yeah, Definitely. oh, a hundred percent, like 100%. without a shadow of a doubt. Right. Uh, we always run through the standings on here. Griggs normally does it, but I will today because Griggs isn't here. In the Eastern Conference, first the Atlantic Division, the Bruins are in first with a whopping ninety-nine points. Maple Leafs in second with 82, Tampa Bay with 78, Sabres with 66, Panthers with 66. Um, That would be the playoff line right there between the Sabres and Panthers. Then the Senators in 64, the Red Wings with 64, and the Canadians with 56. So, first is gone. The the Bruins are going to win this division. Oh, 100%. So, it's really a battle for second. Um, And then it's a battle for... Really, the third and fourth spot interests me the most because you have teams four, five, six, and seven are all right there. Which, if you remember last year, this division, the Bruins were in fourth, the I was called the Pistons, the Red Wings were in fifth, and there was a huge gap. So, like last year's Bruins team was very lackluster, and there were a lot of holes, but it didn't matter because the division was easy and they were going to win. Yeah, that's not the same this year. Literally, teams two through seven could be in. It's going to be the Bruins, then any of these teams could be in any particular order, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Exactly. Quick quick sidebar real yeah. quick. You remember um, when Bruce Cassidy got fired? Yes. And everybody's like, what in the world are you doing? Including myself. Yeah, I wrote an article about it, bashing it, on um, causewaycrowd.com. Yeah, I'm like, who would have thought? I was like, the world's ending. We're going to be worse yeah. than we were last year. But and I was like, I think I might have. I probably did text you that day. And I was just oh, like, yeah, for sure. What in the world is going on? But, I mean, if you told me this is the outcome, I'd be like, no way. You're lying. Right. But, I mean, I guess all they needed was a culture change. Hey, maybe, yeah. And, you know, you get they're doing stuff right, obviously. Yeah. Like so Jim Montgomery's doing great, which this definitely – I feel like going into this year, Bruins fans had a strong dislike for Don Sweeney and Cam Neely. But this – this buys them a lot of grace from a fan base that's hard to please, as you and I are both members of that fan base. Yeah, it buys him a lot of him a lot of grace, but at the same time, what I find interesting, it it hasn't like fully bought him everybody's grace, if that makes sense. Like, right. like I thought more people would be like praising him for it mm-hmm. and like, oh, what a good move and whatnot. It's not very much the case from what I see, at least. I'm right. like, it's it's very fifty fifty still, and like, oh, you either hate him or you absolutely despise him. Mm-hmm. So, which is kind of interesting to me, but I mean, hey, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, you know, but Yeah. Um a big thing for me here is it's kind of like okay, a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. Like you're you're going to have some things that just pan out. Yeah. Like that's just the way that's the laws of motion right there. So, 
time will tell. Like, if this team goes to the playoffs and loses first round, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. I just don't. I think we're kind of right back where we started with a lot of this. Definitely, and you're gonna if you're if that happens, you have to think, okay, what's gonna happen to Bergeron? What's gonna happen to Marsh and Krejci? You know, you never, you never. I mean, they're they're at the end of their careers. Could they just yeah. hang it up? Because like, I feel like it's it's literally now or never this year. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting situation because if the Celtics don't win the champ banner eighteen, I feel like it's a disappointment. Yeah, so they went last year. The Bruins just like off pure merit what they've done so far they're just amazing like if they don't win that's a disappointment a disappointment i feel i'm really glad that the avalanche won the president's cup last year and went on to win the stanley cup to kind of shake that kind of i don't know if curse is the right word yeah. but just get that monkey off the back because yeah. like obviously in 2019 um i don't think the bruins won the president's cup but they went to the Stanley Cup and they lost. They blew a three-one lead to the Blues. Still hurts. Still, still hurts, hurts very badly. Um, it's like forever ago. I, I still remember when uh, Krug had a big hit on. I forgot who it was. Yes. He like ran over the dude. And then he went like, and joined them the next year. Yeah, that kind of stung. Yeah, he was my favorite player. I love Tory Krug. Still love Tory Krug. Yeah. And we got McAvoy though. We're fine. Yes. We're also, fine. David Backus played for that team. That's a fever dream. Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> a long time Blues legend playing for the Bruins against the Blues in the Stanley Cup is a sentence that if I told my friends from St. Louis in 2015, they'd probably point and laugh. But exactly. Anyways, getting a, that's a little off track there. But yeah, I just feel like the East is behind the Bruins is wide open because the Lightning are down, which they still have 78 points. So it's kind of crazy to say they're down but compared to what they've been it's well it's also so weird like yeah the lightning are down this year but it's there is a gap but the Bruins have just been so good like on a normal you take the Bruins out of there out of it out of the equation altogether you look at that lineup right there everybody bumps up a place you know you're like oh it's a solid solid division you know like not not bad teams it's just the Bruins have like raised the bar so much this year it's kind of like oh you know we we're like, okay, is that the standard now? Are they just doing really well? Are these teams below? Are they below the standard? What what's going on here? But I think personally, like, the Bruins are just doing so good. The other teams, yeah, there's a gap, but I mean, I feel like they're 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 right on par where really they should be. Now the Lightning, I mean, the Lightning have been so dominant. Uh, you'd think that they they'd have more points than they do, but still, I mean, they're still playing solid. So I mean, you can't really complain, but still a little ways to go. And then just kind of another thing um, you said you wanted to talk about is we've talked about this team and how some of the, the core is kind of aging out. But another thing to look into is they are thinking about the future as it was announced just this morning that David Pasternak has been signed on an eight or nine year? Eight. Eight year extension worth $90 million. Yep, it's got 11.25 AAV, I believe. So huge. Absolutely huge because I mean, with with the guys going out with Marchand and Bergeron, Pasternak's always been that guy that's going to lead the line for you. Okay, I mean he's playing superb right now, but I mean for the future, he's twenty six. You got him locked up till he's thirty four now on a great contract for him. So, I mean, if you're if you're Sweeney, you're happy with this. If you're a Bruins, you if you're a Bruins fan, you're happy about this because it's almost like the Devers situation with the Red Sox, like kept getting drawn out and drawn out and drawn out. And this this kind of 
fit the same bill. It kept getting drawn out. Okay, when's this going to get done? And a random Thursday morning just gets announced. Oh, Postgres signed eight years. I mean, it's you can't under, underestimate how huge it is for this team because now they, they have their face of the future. They they have McAvoy in the in the back, then they have Pasternak on the front lines. So. And Hampus Lindholm and Taylor Hall will both be yep. around for a while as well. Yep. So we're about to see a changing of the guard with this team, but I think it's in good hands. Um, Jim Montgomery, having probably one of the best first years an NHL coach has ever had statistically. Um, then you've got a solid future of the team. Yeah, oh, you have you you have your cornerstones already on the roster, which is a good thing. So then you can plug and play with the rest of it. So when it comes time to go through the draft, free agency, whatnot, you have your core, which is the hardest part. Now it's just plugging and playing, finding what works. Okay, uh, but I mean, it, it's huge. It's huge that you already have your cornerstones, which is exactly what you need if you're the Bruins. It's exactly what you wanted. Yeah. So real quick, I'm going to fly through the rest of the NHL here. In the Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes lead with 86 points, followed closely by the New Jersey Devils. Who saw that coming, that the Devils would be good this year? Yeah, Jack Hughes finally putting in a big year for him. Finally. Um, they have 85 points. New York Rangers up next with 79. New York Islanders following that with 70. That's the playoff line right there as the Penguins have 69, the Capitals 66, Flyers 57, and Blue Jackets 46. The Blue Jackets are a weird team this year. They spent a lot of money this offseason, but it just hasn't really panned out for them. And they're from Columbus. Yeah, it's no just very— No offense to Columbus, but uh, Columbus is a little eh. Yeah, it's just very random. A very yeah, random it's, place it's for a professional almost, sports team. Almost like Ottawa. Ottawa right. is just kind of like— that, yeah. that, That's my view on Columbus right there. <laughs> So moving into the West, the East is definitely a lot stronger than the West is this year. But the Dallas Stars lead the Central Division with 77 points. The Minnesota Wild are up next with 74. Colorado Avalanche with 73. Winnipeg Jets with 72. Nashville Predators with 64. St. Louis Blues with 57. Arizona Coyotes with 51. And Griggs Blankenberg's Chicago Blackhawks with 47. Then going down to the Pacific, Bruce Cassidy is leading the Vegas Golden Knights to having 78 points. He's having a good first year down in Vegas. Los Angeles Kings up next with 76. Edmonton Oilers with 74. The Seattle Kraken, even though they're falling off a little bit, definitely very pleased, still in the playoff picture at this point. I don't think anyone saw that coming with 72 points. Calgary on the outside looking in with 67. Vancouver, who I hilariously predicted to have a bounce back year, has 53 points. San Jose Sharks and Anaheim Ducks round out this pretty bad overall division with 48 points apiece. Yeah, the East is an Eastern team is definitely going to be raising the cup this year. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. And um, interesting trade the the Patrick Kane trade yes. to the Rangers. Poor Griggs isn't here. Talk <sighs> about his beloved Patrick Kane. Uh, I don't know if he. He's beloved to him, but oh, uh, he is. Oh, he oh, is. yes, yeah. I know, I know, Chicago Blackhawks guy, but uh, I, I was interested to see if he was gonna go to the Bruins, but I mean, the Rangers, good spot for him, I guess. Yeah. Pay a lot of tax money and move on with his life and try to try to lift the cup, but yeah, an East team is gonna win it for sure. Yeah, I didn't think he would leave because a lot of times when you see a guy like that leave a team to chase a ring, he has three of those. Um, he's done everything really you can do but I guess he just wants to get one more I I also think it's not more much of ring chasing honestly as it much of 
as much of a change of scenery because mm-hmm. it's been a minute since they've won and been competitive, really. Yeah. I mean, he's a great player still, tail end of the career. I think it was just a thing like, I mean, ring, getting another ring definitely went into it, but also maybe just a chain of, scen- chain of scenery because nobody likes losing. You're losing that much. You're kind of like, okay, I kind of want to, you know, get out of here maybe. So I, maybe a little bit of ring chasing, but I think a lot of it was just change of scenery because, I mean, Chicago is just down in the dumps the past few years. It's It's been awful. Yeah, and as an original six um, franchise, that's just not – it can't be fun to play for an original six franchise. It has banners on the ceiling, very passionate fans that just don't have anything to cheer for. That's kind of got to be a drag. Yeah, I, I tell you, the, it's better than the Coyotes at least, though. True. But, I mean, you're not – I mean, it, it, like I said, riding on the wall, it's – it's tough times in Chicago is the best way to put it. Yep. And that brings us to our second-to-last PSA break of the day. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Keep it here. Welcome back to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM for our second-to-last segment of the day. No Griggs Blankenberg today. Unfortunately, he woke up feeling under the weather. But I've had a variety of guests today. I'm still joined by my good friend and roommate, Ethan Miller. And we're going to do the last um, segment before Pickums of the show today, talking about some Auburn Diamond sports who are both off to a very hot start. Yeah, I I would say people were expecting this, but at the same time, I don't think to this level, like Auburn no. baseball has been so dominant and more so. Has softball let up a run yet uh, at home or something? What was I don't it? think so. I think it's at home. They haven't let up a run or just. Uh, I know during the invitational that they just had, they went like 41 and 41 run. They had 41 runs or something. Yeah, 41 they, like, didn't give up any. Yeah, absolutely absurd. Like, yeah, the I pitching mean, is off the off the chain. Yeah, and uh, Bree Ellis, I know Bree Bombs. Bree Ellis, Bree Bombs going crazy. Maddie Pinta, Shelby Lowe, they're hurling it. Um, man, this team, this team is good. It, it'll. I'm interested to see. They got the. Showcase coming up in the next couple weeks, and they're facing off against like Oklahoma. So Oklahoma obviously is powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, a little rough year I know so far, but I mean, still doesn't minimize the fact that they are a powerhouse in softball. Uh, but that that'll be that. I feel like that'll be a real good test for him. But I mean, the sky's the limit with this team. It seems. Yeah, I definitely feel like the absolute floor is hosting a regional. I hope you're right. I hope you're right because that means we're winning a lot. Yeah. And right now, what's our record? Softball is seventeen and one. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's right. It's either sixteen or seventeen and one. And then ranked nineteenth or nineteenth. Nineteenth. Yeah. I mean that. Hopefully that keeps going up. That'll be. I mean, it feels like everybody, everything's just clicking right now, which is what you want right off the bat. And mm. If if they can keep it going, it. I mean, it's gonna be. It's going to be wild times, especially once SEC play starts. That'll be because you got the likes of, like, Alabama, big softball powerhouse. Okay, they're going to come in here. Um, we'll see what they they can do against a lineup like that. That's what I'm kind of interested for. Like, okay, got the got the non-conference under your belt now. Uh, you prep up. You, you found your footing. Prep up for SEC. Uh, see what see what you got right now and then go into SEC. And that that's where we'll find out what this team's made of. I agree. Um, switching over to baseball. They have gotten off to a very good start on the year. The first weekend of the year, they took two out of three against the Indiana Hoosiers. 
They beat the North Alabama Lions 13-7 in a midweek series. And then they took two wins over the USC Trojans here at Plainsman Park last weekend. That was supposed to be out in Southern California, but they moved it here due to the threat of inclement weather all weekend long out in L.A. They tied on Sunday because um, due to time restrictions and uh, USC having to catch their flight back. Um, they had to call the game after, I think, 12 innings, I want to say. Yeah, it was 12 innings. It was really funny, especially on, like, Twitter and stuff. Everybody's like, what in the world's going on? What in the world's going on? So they flew commercial into Atlanta, so they had to drive, make their flight that night back to L.A. But it also apparently was a weird game because I know we left a little early, but uh, a USC uh, guy didn't step on home plate or something, so yeah, they didn't like count that. a run. So it seemed like a very weird game, but in the end, Auburn is a tie in baseball, which, you know, is not not something that we're used to, no. I'd say. So, no. Um, and then last night, Auburn beat Florida A and M, the Rattlers, eighteen to eight. And this weekend will be in action for a three-game set with the Lipscomb Bison. I think. Um, well, I know they're playing Lipscomb. I think they're the Bison. Just to clarify. Um, for tomorrow night, game starts at 6 p.m. Saturday, first pitch is at 4 p.m. And Sunday, first pitch is at 1 p.m. So that should be a sweep. If it's not a sweep, uh-oh. Let's hope. I mean, it, it should be because I'd say Lipscomb is one of the lesser opponents. Like uh, for A&M last night, lesser opponent. Uh, whereas, you know, Indiana and uh, USC were a little bit, you know, I mean, they're – they're Power Five schools. Um, that doesn't say. I mean, it says a lot in baseball, but less than any other sport, really. But mm. still, for this Auburn baseball team, this Lipscomb team should be a sweep. It should be. And then, if you sh- looking at some of the stats here, two words: Ike Irish. Yes, Ike Irish. What a what a freshman campaign he's having. The freshman is hitting 576, has an OPS of 1.380. He's hit no home runs yet. I have a feeling that's coming, though. He has 10 runs and 19 hits off of 33 at-bats. This guy's going crazy. He's definitely been the story of the year so far, period, um, when it comes to Auburn baseball. I'm, I'm curious more so for next year because he'll actually be catching full-time is the hope and the plan. Uh, because the dude was the best catcher to come out of Michigan, second best player out of Michigan, and 30-something overall in the nation. So, I mean, a star-studded talent. Hopefully he's here next year. Um, I mean, the dude is just tearing it up, though. I know he he uh, – I'm at a loss of words. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, like Ethan kind of alluded to, he has been the backup catcher behind Nate LaRue, but he has been in the designated hitter role for most of the year, the games that he has not been behind the plate for, which have been most of them. Um, definitely some controversy with Auburn fans because Nate LaRue is hitting .111 on the year, which is not bad, and kind of the consensus in baseball is for catcher – Catching should be the priority. Like, obviously, you're in the lineup every day. Like, so you're, you're not like how a pitcher used to be in the American League, now in all of baseball, to where you don't even have to worry about it at all unless you're in, in El Park. Um, but it definitely needs to be a part of your game, but not the biggest. But Nate LaRue just, offense has not really come easy for him. 
Yeah, give him time. I know he got a. Uh, I think it was over the weekend. He was batting like a point zero eight or point zero nine up until that point. So he he's above a uh, he's above a hundred now. Give him a little bit more time. You know, see if he can keep pulling it up. Maybe I mean, very well could just be taking a minute to catch his stride. And I bet that's what Butch is looking at and what he's thinking. So just give give him a little bit. You know, especially since we're still in non conference. If it was SEC play, it'd be a different story, but. Give him a little bit of time, and he should be good. Yeah. So kind of another big name, Bryson Ware, hitting .577, a 1.724 OPS, .647 on base percentage. Man, everywhere you look, there's a guy knocking the cover off the ball. And hopefully that's a trend that we see continuing. Um, Bobby Pierce is another one. He is hitting .379. Cole Foster is hitting .320. Caden Green, .286. Case Nowell, .267. A lot of guys have Mike Bello hitting .333. Same thing with Ryan Dial. Just everywhere. This roster is filled with guys who are just dominating right now. And one guy I'd like to point out, Brody Moss, a sophomore second baseman. He um, was in the same graduating class as I was from Helena in 2021. Didn't play a ton last year, but... He's been getting some reps this year, so that's been good to see. Yeah, what's he done so far this year? So far on the year, Brody is hitting .273, an on-base percent or an OPS of .274, an on-base percentage of .471, and yeah, looking pretty good. Not too shabby, not too bad at all. Yeah, it'll be. It's, it's kind of weird though because like Auburn baseball and softball are like mirror images of each other now. I mean, they're just crank cranking the homers out of here. And uh, sending people around the bases, so we'll we'll see how it goes the rest of the year. We will. And now for the last couple minutes of this segment, let's switch over to some Auburn softball. Last night, the Tigers traveled over to Troy and beat the Trojans. I think eleven to nothing. I think we had our plate full last night. So yes, we not did. not keen keened in on the softball. No. I wrote a game story for it that you can read on Weagle's website if you feel so inclined in the passenger seat of Ethan's car last night on the way back from Tuscaloosa. Fun time at the at the eleven o'clock hour. Oh yes, yeah. uh, very good work got done. It was eleven to nothing, um, so I was right about that. Over the weekend, like Ethan said, the Tigers scored forty-one runs. They didn't give up any. And the competition included Merrimack, Brown, North Dakota State, Merrimack, and North Dakota State again. So not the worst teams. I mean, not the best. But Shout out Merrimack, my dad's alma mater. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're not. They're D one programs, obviously, but you got an Ivy League and you got uh, small, four thousand, four thousand person school. Um, Definitely not D2, D3, but they're also not the cream of the crop. And what you're going to see when they play Oklahoma in a couple weeks, uh, I, I, view, I view it as, okay, it's good for them to get their reps in, start getting right for SEC play. Um, and, you know, just, just get the reps in and you know, kind of you – know, they're really just having fun with it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, they're absolutely destroying everybody right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Like, um, sort of like Auburn volleyball, like – and before conference play started, they were just beating the. Huh, they were doing really good. Yeah, I don't know of a good. Same with women's ball. basketball yes. too. Like they, I think their only loss in non-conference were like Indiana, and that was out in Vegas, and then uh, Georgia ooh, Tech. Yeah, Georgia Tech, but 
I was about to say, who Vegas. That that was a rough game. I know that's coming months back, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, it's the moral of the story for every sport is you don't know what you got till you hit conference play. But softball is absolutely dominating right now, which is they good to see. Are. And they'll be back in action at home this weekend at the Jane B. Moore Memorial held at Jane B. Moore Field. On Friday, they are taking on Bowling Green and South Alabama at 3 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. respectively. On Saturday, they're taking on South Alabama and Tennessee Tech at 3 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. respectively. Then Sunday, they'll close out with another one against Bowling Green at 2.30 p.m. So if you're in the area looking for something to do, go catch some Auburn Diamond Sports. Uh, you, you will be definitely glad you did. Definitely. Definitely. It's a fun time, a good time. And that is going to close out that segment. And all we have left for today is our pickums. So stay tuned with us through the break and see who Ethan, um, I, and Griggs, I've sent him the list. He'll tweet out his. Or if he's listening right now, he can fill them out really, really quick. And we'll read those over the air and we'll get out of here. So stay right here. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today is uh, Ethan Miller. Almost like Griggs Blankenberry, I have it. Um, Griggs is unfortunately under the weather, but he's filling out his pickums for this weekend as we speak. So I'm going to stall for a minute to let him finish as I see him typing right this second. Um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how tall Griggs is because, uh, we're definitely not the same height. <laughs> De- definitely a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, but. definitely. So, um, very, very fun show today. Had a great time. Talked about full swing with our wonderful student media advisor, Billy Ferris. Talked about a lot of basketball, both Auburn, NBA, with Zach Card and Ethan. Um, talked about NHL, uh, NBA, or well, I already said that. Uh, Auburn Diamond Sports, Premier League. You watch it, we've talked about it today. But it is time for our Pick'em segment, Who You Got. I didn't have time to go through and total up our records, so next time we do a show, we'll have updated records. But for now... So, Ethan, just the way this will go is Griggs will only ask me who you got. Today, I'll ask you who you got. All right. So, to kick it off, Celtics net – or, yeah. Actually, no, we're going to start here. Um, tonight at Bond Secor's Wellness Arena in the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament, the Auburn Tigers take on the George Bulldogs. Ethan, who you got? Give me Coach Jay. Give me Coach Jay and the Tigers all day. All day. Um I think they 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 finished out the the season a little bit on a better than they were doing yeah. run. So I think they'll carry it out. I think they'll pick up a win in this SEC tournament. Uh, after after that, it's everything's to be seen. But I'm confident they'll be. Uh, I believe Georgia's the seventh seed and Auburn's the tenth seed. I I think they can win the little upset there. Yeah. So tomorrow night the Celtics play the Brooklyn Nets. Ethan, who you got? Give me the Celtics. Too hot. Too hot. Um. They have cooled off actually a little bit recently, but they're still hot. Uh, with the Nets, with all the stuff that's gone on there, uh, without Kyrie, without KD now, um, RIP their big three when James Harden was there. But uh, I, I think the Celtics, J- Tatum is balling, Brown is balling. They, they just got a very solid team. So yeah. Um. Yeah. So moving on Saturday over across the sea, the yeah. Lost train of thought. Man City, Newcastle. I think I know, but Ethan, who you got? I'm going to go Newcastle. I'm just kidding. I'm going Man City. <laughs> Man City. Newcastle's playing well, but Man City is Man City, and Pep Guardiola is going to make something up, and uh, it's going to be no match for Newcastle. Yeah, same, same here. I'm going Man City. 
Um, so staying in the Premier League, Manchester United, Liverpool, Grig. Oh, I forgot to say Grig stuff. For Celtics Nets, Grig went with the Celtics. For Newcastle, Man City, Grigs went with Man City. And for Auburn, Georgia, women's basketball, Grigs went with Auburn. And for Griggs is a very big Manchester United fan. He is being a homer and sticking with Man City. Or, excuse me, Man U. Ethan, Man City. Ah, did it again. Man U, Liverpool. Who you got? Uh, so, if you're going off form and what they've done recently, Manchester United. But I think it's just going to be one of those games. And, you know, uh, I, th- I think Liverpool has a shot. Liverpool's Liverpool. They got Darwin Nunez, uh, Mo Salah up there. Um, I think Liverpool will pull something together and get out of there with winning by one goal. So, plus it'd be sweet if uh, Manchester United lost because I'm not a fan of Man U. So, maybe a little biased there, but. So, moving into the college basketball part, um, Kansas, Texas, I believe they're three and nine, respectively. I think top 10 matchup. Texas is the home team. Ethan, who you got? I'm going to go Kansas. Uh, I feel like Kansas put they had a little skid there, but they put together some good games. And at the end of the day, they're the reigning national championships, and how they're playing now, they they can get back to that, and they can go back to back, in my opinion. So give me the Jayhawks on the road. I'm gonna go with the Longhorns solely because they're the home team. Fair, fair. I I can definitely see it going either way, and you know, going the way the home team is, you know, that's that's not a bad route to go. So another um, top ten matchup. Arizona, UCLA, I believe this one is in, I can't remember where Arizona is, Tucson. I believe this is in Tucson. Um, so, Ethan, who you got? I think UCLA on the road. Go both both road teams here, back-to-back road team picks. Uh, I think UCLA is just falling this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with UCLA as well in this one, just because they've kind of just had Arizona's number. Um, I think that's going to continue. Um, I just I think Arizona's a tad bit on the overrated side, so I think UCLA is going to show that this weekend. So now moving into the NHL. Oh wait, I forgot an NBA game. I'm sorry. This is very out of order. It's um, all this this whole show. It's been around. It's been a it's been a switch up for you. You're all good. Yeah. <laughs> so 76ers Bucks. This is I think Saturday. I think it's in Milwaukee though. Give me the Bucks solely because no. I think the Bucks are going to play a better game also, but uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and his brothers just purchased stake in, stake in MLS Club Nashville SC, fun fact. Uh, so that was a thing this morning. Um, but, no, I think the – I don't think the Sixers are as good as everybody thinks the Sixers are. Um, I think the Bucks are the Bucks. They sit atop the East right now. Uh, I think they'll handle business at home. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bucks as well. Moving over to the NHL, this is Saturday, Boston Bruins, New York Rangers. Ethan, who you got? Bruins. Bruins all day. Patrick Kane has gone to the Rangers, which, I mean, will be a boost for them because, I mean, it's Patrick Kane. But the Bruins are the Bruins. They're sitting on 99. They want to get to that 100 mark, surpass that 100 mark. Everybody's playing phenomenal from Allmark to McAvoy to Lindholm to Pasta to Bergeron. I could go on and on, <laughs> but I mean the Bruins are just too good. Yeah, the Bruins are insane. I'm gonna go with the Bruins as well, being a little bit of a homer, but that's okay. So our second to last game, also staying in the NHL, um, Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanche. Ethan, Avalanche. Abs. Quick, quick into the point. Avalanche. That's all I'm gonna say. 
I think I'm going to go with the Stars. I mean, home ice is big. It's not the biggest thing in the world. It's in Dallas. Um, that plays a factor. Plus, I think Dallas is kind of hot right now. I think they've won three of their last five. Um, or meaning, actually, I think they've won three in a row. But they lost two in a row. You know what that, yeah. That's a little weird, but abs. Or, no, oh my God. <laughs> Dan, you've got to wake up. Stars. Man, I was up late last night studying for my geology midterms, so I'm pretty tired today. What are we closing it out with right now? What are we closing it out with? So we are closing it out right here at home on the Plains. Number 12, Tennessee? It's either 9 or 12. Can't remember. Whatever. The Tennessee Volunteers are heading down to Neville Arena to take on the Auburn Tigers on Senior Day. Ethan, who you got? Auburn. Auburn all day. Book it. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm also going to take Auburn to close out the show. And thank you for listening today. And we will see you after spring break. This has been the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at The Grigsby. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.